Hello out there to whoever's listening. Uh, this is Pastor Tim Dooner of Valley Forge Presbyterian Church, and I welcome you to this episode. Uh, it's the final reflection from 2019 at Valley Forge. Um, uh, this reflection is entitled The True Gifts of Christmas and was originally offered to the congregation on Christmas Eve. I invite you to enjoy and to become centered by a time of quiet and stillness as we prepare to consider the true gifts of Christmas together. So we all have birthdays that we celebrate. Christmas is a birthday. And we all have different birthdays that we celebrate in the midst of our daily, monthly, yearly rhythms. Most of the time, we celebrate birthdays of those we know. Uh, Christmas Eve as a congregation, we also celebrate the birthday of Remember John. Later this week in my family, we celebrate our beloved niece, Maisie. Sometimes we celebrate the birthday of someone we never met. Martin Luther King Jr., George Washington. Uh, yesterday, December 23rd, I celebrate the birthday of Eddie Vedder. If we really think about it, we give people presents on their birthday, but we're actually compelled to celebrate because of the gifts that they have given to us. And so tomorrow on Christmas, we ask, beyond the overly simplistic and often misleading religious answer that he died so that I can go to heaven someday, what really are the gifts that have come into our lives and the world because of the life, the teachings, the example, and the movement of Jesus? This is a big question. Uh, for thousands of years, uh, long before indoor trees, St. Nicholas, Hallmark Christmas movies, the church has been naming four key gifts of Christmas. The first is hope. How do we find hope in this life in the midst of challenge and disappointment? Does it come from our ability to master our own circumstances, to produce or succeed our way to a better life? Or does true hope come from knowing that God is working through others and that helps to better our circumstances in ways that we cannot control or master or produce for ourselves. And if we do find hope in God's work beyond our own, we wonder, do we have to earn that from God? In John's telling of Jesus entering into the human experience, the Gospel of John's telling of Christmas, he wrote of how Jesus is the Word of God, and that God's grace and truth were revealed in Jesus. Jesus made known a mysterious but good and graceful God who is an active force in this world for the sake of all people, and that the good that comes from God's activity does not have to be earned through ritual or obedience. True hope comes not just believing in Jesus, but believing Jesus when he says that God seeks to work through all people to bring about goodness and change that we cannot bring about 
or ourselves. The second gift of Christmas is joy. How do we find joy in life? Does it come from our ability to be right and righteous and to think that we're part of the particular population within humanity that has it all figured out and how, uh, how to be treated with God with favor and favoritism because of that? And or does joy come from the possessions we're able to accumulate, the accomplishments for which we're recognized, or the number of likes on our social media posts? In Luke's telling of Christmas, in Luke's story of the birth of Jesus, the angels proclaim that his arrival onto the human scene is good news of great joy to all people. I would argue that in a legalistic religious view, joy is a foreign concept. Because in a legalistic view, I'm either on God's side, I earn that through my right obedience, which means I feel relief, but it's also mixed with fear that I'm going to lose that good standing. Or I'm on God's bad side because of a lack of rightness or obedience, which means that I feel fear that's mixed with terror that God's curse or punishment is imminent. That kind of legalistic religion, which is all too prevalent still today, is not good news of great joy to all people. The myth of divine favoritism through legalist righteousness, earned righteousness, is an affront to Christmas. In a non-religious and materialistic view, joy is also a foreign concept. If our value and happiness in life are determined by our possessions, that's not good news of great joy to all people. Those who have never have enough to create real happiness and value and always feel empty 100% of the time. And the wrangling to have more leaves the have-nots even more oppressed and poor and impoverished. But Jesus invited the world to set down the worry and the fear of legalistic religion, to set down the stress and the emptiness of the materialistic pursuit of happiness, and instead to discover true joy in lives that are built upon gratitude, contentment, and sharing of abundance with those in need. That gift of joy comes into the world because Jesus was born into it. The third gift is love. How do we find love in life? Do we discover a sense of being loved by this mysterious and eternal force we call God by doing those right religious things? And then do we feel unloved by God when we don't or can't? Can love be earned from each other as part of a transaction? In exchange for my giving you this gift, then, then you give me love in return? But then if I don't have the time and the money to give you gifts, does that mean that I cannot afford your love for me? In Luke's telling, uh, we can read the story of the prophet Simeon holding the baby in his arms and proclaiming in this life, in the life of Jesus, is the salvation of God, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of Israel. In this life, the one who would teach that love is not an easy act of favoritism, partiality, or convenience, and that love is not a transaction driven by self-interest, 
but is an intentionality for the sake of all others, regardless of merit and with, without the expectation of anything in return. The one who would teach that love is the posture with which we are to approach and respond to not only our family and friends, but also the stranger, the foreigner, the sick, the outcast, and the enemy. The one who would teach that the nature and rhythms of God have always been and always will be love in his life, in the life of Jesus, is the salvation, the restoration and repair, the reordering, the redemption that God seeks to bring to every person and nation. Because of Jesus, we have the theological, philosophical, and physical ability to know how to feel and experience the love of God and how to give, receive, feel, and experience love within our relationships with each other. We have the ability to forgive, to bury hatchets and grudges, to reconcile, to bless, to help, and to embrace. Jesus is the example of how to do the difficult work of love, which is the only force that can truly bring people together, whether that's siblings, parents and children, spouses, friends, neighbors, strangers, or enemies. Following the ways of Jesus makes us love better. We know what love is, and, and we know how to enjoy its fruit because Jesus was born into the world. The fourth gift of Christmas is peace. How do we find peace in life? Where do we find a sense of peace that can come into the midst of these chaotic, tired, and doubtful spirits and lives that we have? Does paying for a service or an expert to lead us in the right practices or meditations lead to peace? Is the detachment that I can create between me and the world around me really peace? Or is it just a calm that comes from my isolation? Do we nurture, how do we nurture peace within relationships and among warring nations if disconnection and isolation really aren't options? Did the Romans have it right with Pax Romana, peace through conquering and the oppressive threat of violence? Do we just need to get everyone to agree with us on religion, politics, and economics through force, and then there'll be peace? In Matthew's telling of the Christmas story, God revealed to Joseph in a dream that Jesus would save the people from their sins, which wasn't to say that he would hand out tickets to a select few at the gates of heaven with St. Peter, uh, standing behind him as a bouncer in dark glasses but to say that in his name, by the allegiance to his ways, the ways of Jesus, the people of this world would be saved from all the imperfections, aggressions, and mistakes that cause a breakdown of the world that God intended to be interconnected, harmonious, creative, and collaborative uh, so that all could flourish. By the way of Jesus, not by the way of a commanding conqueror imposing his will or a king, a parliament, a congress, a president, a political party, a religious leader, or coalition of one particular religious ideologies imposing their will. By the way of Jesus, not in judging, condemning, or proselytizing, but in loving, forgiving, and helping regardless of merit and without expectation of something in return. This is how the world will be knit back together in peace. As we've heard 
as we hear on B101 for months in and around Christmas. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. O holy night indeed. It's easy to lose sight of this and the chaos of the present. But if we look at the movement of Christianity over the last 2,000 years, the ways that these gifts unto humanity of hope, joy, love, and peace have changed the world cannot be undersold. Because of people all around the world implementing the way of Jesus as their framework for their daily living and in their life together, more foundationally than any other political or social framework. Because of that, slaves have been freed, oppressed have been empowered, the sick have found help, and the impoverished have been lifted up. These God-driven changes in the world have not been the result of physical or political force, but because of people living with these gifts of Christmas, hope, joy, love, and peace. These are the gifts of Christmas, and the world needs these gifts just as much now as ever. And so let the world rejoice that on this holy night, uh, let us accept with gratitude and responsibility the gifts given to us, that we might live as a people of hope, joy, love, and peace, and so that through our Christmas living, God might continue to move our families, our towns, our nations, and all the world toward greater community, hope, joy, love, and peace. Christmas is a gift and a calling. With courage and conviction, let us accept both. As Howard Thurman wrote in his poem, The Work of Christmas, when the song of the angels is stilted, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, and to make music in the heart. Merry Christmas.